Welcome. You are here, week one of our brand new series called You Do You. Real quick, let's just take a, take a quick vote. Quick po- All right, cat people, raise your hand, cat people. Uh, dog people, dog people. Yeah, wow. What does that tell you about this church? Um, what did you say? No, how many no pets? Okay. Um, all those dog people just judged you, babe. I just want you to know that. Animal people can be judgy if you're not an animal person. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how many beach people? Beach people? Mountain people? Have both? Either, either. Yeah, yeah. It's like, a, it's, who doesn't want that? Apple? iPhone? iPhone? Galaxy? Isn't that the one that blew up in your pants? Is that the one that like burned people's bo- bottom, bottoms, backsides? Um, I don't even know how to say that. Um, beards. Give me, can I get a beard? Beard? I see that big giant. You could, you could, you could chop a tree with that thing. So, but clean shaven, clean shaven. You notice that dude was like, that's, that's my future right there. That whole clean shaven thing. I'm about to join that world because my hair is making a mass exodus right now. I'm really not happy about it. Um, I'm about to join that club. You know what I mean? That Michael Jordan club. Anyway, so this is it. This is the series. Everybody say, you do you. You do you, you do you is a phrase I just I heard randomly, this is a, just a few months ago, and somebody was like, hey man, you do you, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't even know what that means, what, you do, what do you mean you do you, and you do you, I, I literally looked it up, if you go to Urban Dictionary, you can look up these, these sayings, but like, okay, let me just make sure that he didn't, you know, cuss at me or something, and so, <laughs> make sure that wasn't a put down, I just didn't get mocked in front of everybody, but you do you, you do you simply means, hey, you be yourself, you go with who you are and what you want to do, like, hey, like, you like dogs, you do you, you like cats, that's cool-ish, uh, if, if you, you know, if you, mountains, beach, iPhone, chest checkers, what, just clean beard, whatever it is, you, you be yourself, you do you, but I thought, what a fascinating statement, because what it does is it forces the listener to ask the question, well, if I'm supposed to do me, who's me? Like, if I'm supposed to, you do you, like, what, what do I do? Who, who am I? What would I do? What do I like? What am I about? Who, who am I? And, and I get that. And that's, that's a really, really powerful and important question that you need to ask in your life. Who actually am I? So that I know, if I know who I am, then I know what I'm supposed to to do, and then I'll figure that out, because that's actually kind of a deep philosophical question, like, who, who am I, and what do I exactly do, and what do I do in this life? How does that all work? And to answer that question, we want to dive into the scriptures, because funny enough, the Bible very, very specifically answers this question, and if you ever wrestled with, who am I, you know, what, you know who am I, and what am I about, and what did God make me for, and what am I here for, what's the meaning of life, what's the purpose of life, what, what is this thing all about? I want you the Bible very, very specifically answers that question. The Apostle Paul does. The Apostle Paul takes an entire book of the Bible to address this issue. So if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul is really this guy that we look to because he wrote a very, very large portion, about half the New Testament is, is kind of prescribed to him or written about him through the book of Acts. And here's the deal. The Apostle Paul was this guy that... When the Jesus movement began, he was anti the Jesus movement. He was totally not on board. He was a religious guy. He was what was considered a Pharisee. He had rabbinical training. He was an incredibly smart guy, well-traveled, Roman citizen, spoke multiple language, very, very bright guy. But when the Jesus movement sprang, he was like, oh, heck no, we need to shut this down. And he tried to stop the Jesus movement until one day he had a very, very strange encounter with Jesus. Not, not the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. He was on a road 
traveling to a city called Damascus, and literally God showed up, knocked him off of his horse, spoke to him, and said, you need to come correct. And, and really from that moment forward, he was, his eyes were opened literally to who Jesus was. And so he heard from Jesus. He went and spent time with the apostles. But see, the apostles and the disciples were mostly made up of fishermen and tax collectors and, and really we say just commoners. And the apostle Paul was not a commoner. He was incredibly bright and smart and well-traveled. And, and again, what he did was is he took his rabbinical training and his deep, deep understanding of what we call the Old Testament and he started finding that Jesus was everywhere inside the Old Testament. He took all these Old Testament shadows and types and metaphors and truths and principles and all these like gleanings of Jesus. And then he made sense with all that Jesus taught and all the, that Jesus had taught him directly and that the apostles had confirmed. He was like, oh my gosh. And so the apostle Paul actually becomes the very first theologian, if you will. The guy that was really trying to say, hey, this is what Jesus was all about, and let me help define that for you really, really clearly. And so he writes all these different books of the Bible. If you're not clear on this, he wrote 13 different letters, or we call them books, to at least seven churches over a period of 15 different years, some of while writing from a prison cell, by the way. It was a fascinating story of his life. And one of the letters that he writes is to the church of Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. This is where we get the book Ephesians. So that's where our study is going to come from because when he writes the, the, the book of Ephesians, he's writing to a regional church. And when you look at this book in particular, it's a bit different than some of his other writings. It's this big theological discourse for three chapters. And then the following three chapters are the kind of the application of these big theological truths. But here's, here's the deal. This is a city. Like, this isn't like, sometimes we think of like, the, the, the Bible was written to like a bunch of like archaic people living. But no, 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 the New Testament was, was written many times to major cities. Like, you got to remember, the church was thriving in cities like Jerusalem and Rome. Like, Rome would be like New York City. Like, Rome was the epicenter of the world, of the ancient world. And Ephesus was basically like, put it this way, if Rome was like New York, Ephesus was like Chicago or L.A., this was a major port city. So if you ever if you get your brain wrapped around like a world map, think about the, the country of Turkey. On the western coast of Turkey, it was this major port city called Ephesus, and it was really like this kind of like central point of travel east to west. So anytime you were traveling east, you went through Ephesus, and anytime you were traveling west. And so it was, as a matter of fact, the, the, the temple to Artemis and the Colosseum, this was a part of the seven major wonders of the ancient world. This was a major, the, the Bible was written to farm people. It was thriving inside of these metropolitan cities like Ephesus. And it's to this church, and this is what the big idea was. The big theme of the book of Ephesus was this idea of being in Christ. Does everybody say that? Everybody say, in Christ. See, when, when we came up in church or we just heard about religion and, 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 and church stuff, we heard a term called Christian, Christian or Christianity, right? I want you to know, like, Jesus never uses that term. That, that, that was a term that came along, made up by other people. So, like, we were first called Christians really as a way to, like, kind of make fun of us because we're like little Jesus people. That was what Christian meant, little Jesus people. But the Apostle Paul, he never uses the term Christian. He uses the term, everybody say, in Christ. Don't you think Christians only use three times in all the New Testament? Think about that. I guess my point would be this. I'm going to show you today and over the next few weeks 
that more than I want you to think of yourself as, as a Christian, because that can have all kinds of different types and meanings, and, and, and uh, we can go in so many different directions and denominations, and uh, what, what does that even mean? I'm going to show you that what the Apostle Paul said is that more than being a, a Christian, which we don't always get the right definition of that, he goes, I want you to think of yourself as in Christ. And what does that even mean? Now, let me, let me hear it real quicker. To be in Christ, as we'll define and talk about over the next few weeks, literally means this. It's my new position in life. Like, I, I, like whenever you're in something, that, mean, that means you're, you're, you're out of something else, right? Like you, to, to be in something is locational and positional. So like this is the idea of you, you in something new. You used to be dead, and now you're alive. You used to be lost and, and, and now you're found. You used to be on the outside and now you're on the inside. You have a totally, it, it's like you've been given this whole new position in life. Like if, if you were in a job and you were trying to get a promotion, you would be in a new position. Are, are, you, are you hearing me so far? Like, like, I just want you to know that when you put your faith in Jesus, your position in life changes. And this is what the Apostle Paul, actually, this is where he really goes, is he goes, it's my new position in life that shapes my identity. Because what he does is he takes the term in Christ to help you define and understand who you are now. Because you are not who you used to be anymore. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You are not who you used to be anymore. You have a totally brand new position in life and this is his main big deal, is that position now redefines who you are. It gives you a totally new way of looking at you, understanding you, seeing how you fit, you work, who you are and what you're supposed to do. So that when somebody tells you, hey, you do you. You know who you are, and you know what it is that you're supposed to do. Are you tracking with me so far here? Let's, let's, let's keep diving further into this. See, this is the way that we would typically think about our identity. If you went to an airport and they say something like, hey, I need to see your identification, you pull out what? Your driver's license, your passport, something to identify you. And if I pull out mine, it would tell you that, okay, well, Todd Hendricks. And this is, this is typically what we would do. If somebody, we do this with like, first encounters, when we do meet and greets, when we start to get to know people, we really like, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? And then we follow up and we're like, oh, that's cool. Where do you live? Oh, really? What, what do you do? And maybe, you know, where are you originally from? And we start asking all these questions because we're trying to get our mind wrapped around who they are, which is just their idea. Like if you pulled out me, I, I could say, if I, if, I had a, if I had a Tinder account or something like that, you know, <laughs> I, I've been married 16 years. Um, Somebody told me about Tinder. Uh, but I'd say, hey, I'm Todd, I'm Todd Hendricks. I was born in August 1979. I'm a Leo, by the way. I don't know what that means because I don't follow that garbage. Anyway, uh, I, uh, I'm a lion. Yeah, um, I, uh, I, like, I like shooting and golfing and working out. And I, you know, I've been married for 16 years to a beautiful woman. I've got three incredible kids. I pastor some amazingly good-looking people. You know, like I, I you know, I, I, I was born in Greenville, South Carolina, to Charlie and Sue Hendricks. And I, I could just go on and on and on with all this information, right? But what the Apostle Paul's saying is that that's the way that you originally are used to 
would think about yourself, that you would think about yourself in all these terms. Because I want you to know everything's changed. Now, don't get me wrong. You still came from Charlie and Sue, but your position in life or the foundation of your identity is no longer in any of those things. The foundation of who you are and everything about you is now this idea that you are in Christ. You have a new position in life, and that position completely begins to shape your identity because you're not these other things. Like, here are some image traps that most of us fall into, and I'm going to tell you why this is really, really bad in life. Like, there are image traps like some of us think that our identity is somehow based on our stuff, our money, our possessions, our socioeconomic status, you know, what, what, you know, what kind of a neighborhood we grew up in, what side of the tracks we came from. And so many of us identify from that, whether we grew up rich or we grew up poor, or we grew up middle class or we grew up with this, or that, and we begin to define ourselves or think of ourselves based on our stuff. Here's another one that we do. Some of us do it again based on our career. That we think, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a this. Hey, what do you, you know, who are you? Oh, I'm a this. I'm an engineer. I'm a salesperson or I'm a whatever. Or I'm a mom or I'm a... And we think that that somehow defines us. And don't get me wrong, there, there's some elements that are true to that, but that's not the foundation of our identity. I'm, I'm going to show you why. Here, here's another one, like just people. Like some of us, we get so wrapped up in our relationships that the other person ends up defining who we are in life. Ever been there before? You let a person, you got so caught up in a relationship and the person began to define who you were in life. And then we'll just, we'll just lastly, we keep going, but your past. Sometimes it's just our past. Like some of us live with such guilt over what we did, over what we used to do. We take our worst failure in life and we let that kind of just be a dark cloud and a shadow that carries over us our whole life. And we're like, I'm that. I am that failure, I am that mistake, I am that mess up, that screw up. That's why we say stuff like, I'll never be. Why? Because it's coming out of that fake, bogus, and phony identity that we thought. And, and here's the problem with basing your identity on this stuff right here. Any of these things, and I could keep going. is that this stuff is going to change. This is why people go through what we call an identity crisis. Because like, let's say like you, you shaped your identity based on all of your wealth and possessions. Well, I know people that lost all their wealth and all their possessions. You know what that means? They lost themselves. They don't know who they are anymore. They don't know how they fit in the world. They don't know who they are or what they're supposed to do in this life. Because they, they made, if you made your identity around a person and then that person dumped you or walked away from the marriage or died, then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. Simply because of that, like your career, like I know people that lived there 20, 30 years in a career and then they had layoffs and now like the economy, or not the economy, but the, the market changed and now you can't even go get the same job that you used to have for 20 or 30 years because of how everything changed and now I don't know who I am anymore. This is like holding on to an umbrella in a hurricane. You just, you, you're hanging on to nothing in a world of chaos. This stuff is subject to change. This is why ultimately as a Christ follower, this is what you need to get your head wrapped around. The reason why Paul said that the foundation of your identity needs to be in Christ is because everything in this world is subject to change except Jesus. Amen. This is why Hebrews, Hebrews said it like this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today. If the market changes, he's the same 
People die. He's the same. Things come and go. He's, you was broke. Now you're rich. Now you're broke again. He's the same. And when your identity is attached to the unchanging thing, the only unchanging thing in the universe, you know what you become in life? Unshakable. You're unshakable. Like, I, I, I can, I, I'm like a palm tree. I might bend a little bit, but I don't break. I can just weather any storm that there is in life because I know who he is and I know who I am in him. And because of that, and he ain't changing, therefore I'm not changing no matter what changes around me. Is it? Can I get an amen up in here? Like, so, so this is the idea that, that we ought to attach ourselves to this unchanging God and find ourselves in the foundation of all that we are and all that we believe and all that we do is in Christ. So watch this. There are 216 times in the New Testament that the writers use this idea of being in Christ. I want you to get your head over 200 times. The word Christian, three. In Christ, over 200. And the book of Ephesians, he, he kind of nails it down harder in the book of Ephesians than he does anywhere else. As a matter of fact, it's used for, uh, 14 times in the first nine verses of the Bible. And I want to read these Bible verses together. Can we do that? So if you have your Bible, you can go highlight all this stuff. If not, read along with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Paul, an apostle, apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints. Everybody say, that's me. You ever felt like a saint before? You're a saint. That's what he said. I didn't say that. I know you better than the Apostle Paul. Uh, to the saint, I'm kidding. You're a saint in Jesus. Uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful, what? In Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. With, like you're blessed in Christ. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And in love he predestined us for adoption. Like we're adopted as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us Everybody say, in the beloved. Like, it, that's a capital B. The beloved was Jesus. I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. So this, it's another way of saying in Christ. And next sentence, in him, not Christian. Not I went to church when I was a kid. No, my identity is in Christ. My faith is in Christ. My life is now in Christ. Because in Christ, in Christ, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth, everybody say, in Christ. Just so you know the reason why there's so many verses, I'm not lying to you. The, the, from verse 3 to 14 is one long, huge sentence in the Greek language. So you're like, oh, he's covering a lot of verses. In fact, the Back to back. this one sentence, really. We, we, we have to break it off differently, but in the Greek, it's one big sentence. So, as a plan for the fullness of time to, uni to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. 
in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And we all said, amen. That was a lot of, that was 14 verses in a row. But I'm telling you, you see this idea that like, hey, I want you to know that as you put your faith in Jesus, everything changes. Your life literally just picks you up. You was on the outside and now he puts you on the inside and he called that being in Christ. He took you from death and he put you into life and he called that being in Christ. He, he was lost and he put you into That's just the why this idea of being in Christ Jesus. And over the next few weeks, I'm just going to help you like get your mind wrapped around this idea of what it looks like to have an identity that is rooted and grounded in Jesus. Because if we just look at those first 14 verses, and if we look at the way the rest of Ephesians folds out, here's what you find. That in Christ Jesus, you are this brand new thing, and you are these totally awesome things. Like, so this, I'm just going to give you some examples. Like, in Christ Jesus, you're blessed. Remember he said you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. So, like, you might not feel blessed, but I'm telling you that you already are blessed. Do you see the difference? I'm not telling you to go seek blessings. I'm telling you, you already are blessed. And when you get your head wrapped around that, it just changes everything. Because here's what most of us do. When we don't live our, with our identity in Christ, we're searching for it in all kinds of other things. We're tossed to and fro. Our life is up and down. Because when we don't know who we are, we are subject to all kinds of weirdness, whether it's loneliness or depression or insecurity or, or just being lost and making weird and goofy and dumb and foolish decisions. Like you wonder why our lives are all over the map. It's because we don't really know who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we don't know what we're supposed to do in life. You don't know. You're already blessed. One of the most powerful things that you can ask in light of that is, is what would a blessed person do? If this is who I am, like, what would, what would it be? like, I'm already reconciled to God. There's no gap. There's no dis. Some of you live with this guilt thing where you think like there's this, oh my God, I did this this week. God's going to be so mad. He won't ever answer my prayer until I get back to church and give three offerings. Or you know. You're already reconciled. You're not trying to seek it. You already are it. You, you already knew. I know you don't feel new and you're like, Todd, you don't know that I went back and did the old thing. I know, but you're new. So what you need to do is the next time you come into that temptation or that situation, you just need to ask, what would a new person do? What would a blessed person do? Like, like I need to respond to who I am, not who I used to be. Like, you already are adopted. You already are victorious. See, what happens is, is when you begin to shape and form your identity after, out of being in Christ, here's, here's what really happens. You live this unshakable life where anything that life brings you that doesn't align with this, it looks confusing. Like people are like, hey, they could say something awful and terrible about you. You'd be confused. You'd be like, I don't understand. But that doesn't make any sense because God said I'm blessed. And what? So either God's wrong or you're wrong. And I'm, well, I'm not going to bet that God's wrong. So it's like something. It's just, it's just confusing. Can you imagine telling LeBron James that he can't play basketball? He would look at you with like, I don't understand. Do you know who I am? I'm LeBron freaking James. Do you know who, who, who are you? Who are you even? Go away. Who are you even talking to? Can you imagine telling Adele she can't sing? Like, girl, you can't sing. It'd be Can you tell Bill Gates that he's poor? It'd be confusing, wouldn't it? 
Because everything about them would say, do you know who I am? You clearly have been misinformed. Because what you're saying doesn't line up with my reality. Because my world has completely changed. My position in life has changed. I'm in Christ. Like, I'm already victorious. I know I'll face battles and I'll take, take on fights and struggles. But I'm already victorious. What would a victorious person do? Because that's who you already are. It, it, this, is, this is where some of us fall into the trap of having spiritual amnesia. Where we go through living life. And then we make one bad decision after the other because we have spiritual amnesia. We literally have forgotten who we actually are in Christ Jesus. It would be like finding like a king and then talking to his kid. And then telling the kid that you're nothing, you're not important, you're, you don't matter to anybody. But, but, but I, I really do. I don't, know, I don't know if you know who I am or not. <laughs> That's my dad and my dad's the king and I'm a prince and this is kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. But, why? Because you know who you are. But what if all of a sudden you had amnesia? You could become anything that they tell you you are. Because you don't know who you are anymore. It's like, owning, it's, like, it's like owning the winning lottery ticket and not knowing it's in your pocket. And you live a life poor, broke, messed up, lost, wandering, confused, not knowing who you really are. What the Apostle Paul saying, I want you to know who you are. Because in Christ Jesus, you are something completely brand new and it is awesome and if you will learn to adopt that world i promise you it'll change everything in your future watch this a few thoughts if you're taking notes number one is this i am who he says i am even if i have not realized it yet like i want you to know that as a matter of fact there's a story in the book of judges judges chapter six tells a fascinating story about a young lad named gideon and the cool part about Gideon's story is how much of an insecure kid he is. Because God speaks to him and he says this to him in their opening conversation, very first time ever having a meeting and a conversation. He goes, Gideon, you are just an awesome, mighty man of courage. And Gideon argues with him for one whole chapter about why he's not. For a whole chapter, Gideon says, do you know who I am? I'm Gideon. I'm that scared, nothing, nobody kid hiding out from my enemies. My parents are like the poorest people in town. Our town is the poorest town in the region. You know how broke that makes me? I'm nothing and I'm a nobody. Now, let me ask you this. Was Gideon kind of right? Factually speaking, yeah, he was. He was kind of this scared, wimpy, nobody, nothing kid from a nothing family and a nothing tribe. And God shows up and says something that, where you're like, okay, either God, you're lying, or you know something that we don't know. And the answer is, is that God knows something that you don't always know. Because you got to remember, this is the God who stands outside of time. So God just doesn't see you in your past. He doesn't just see you in your future. He can see all of it. And see God sees you in all of your potential. And out of all of your potential, he calls you blessed and redeemed and forgiven and reconciled. And he, calls you a, and he calls you all those things. And many of us spend our whole lives arguing with God about how we're not all those things. And God's saying, I wish, please, would you just buy in to what I'm saying about you because you are all these things in Christ Jesus. It's a whole new world. 
it changes the way that you think about life, the way you think about what you do, the way you think about your relationships. It changes the emotional filter by which you receive your experiences and explain your experiences. It changes everything. Because now I know actually who I am, and now I live my whole life trying to, just to dig down deeper and discover more of it. That's where the blessed life really is, by the way, is knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Number two is this, is because of this, we live from our identity, not for our identity. Like, I want you to think about this. You're not living a life trying to find blessing or earn blessing or work for blessing. You're trying to live a life discovering how you already are blessed and how you can live in that. Because God's already blessed you. You're not trying to figure out how to get these things. You're trying to figure out how to unearth them from within because that's who you already are. You don't live for it. You live out of it. You live from it. And then thirdly, being in Christ produces life transformation, not behavior modification. This is why I've never taken a brand new Christian and said, hey, now, this is what I need you to do. I need you to stop smoking and stop cussing. And chewing, and, and, and I need you to stop partying, and I need you to stop. I've never once taken a Christian and said, hey, I need you to stop doing all these, and now here's what I need you to do. I need you to change this about your hair, and change this about your dress. Why? Well, because that's fruitless. It is a complete and utter waste of time. But how many of us, this is what we do, we're like, wow, I really need to get right with God. Whoo-wee! All right, well, I'm going to change this, and I'm going to stop doing this, and stop doing this, and I'm going to start to bless God. Man, I, I'm going to... You know what you're doing, right? Trying to do behavior modification. How long does that last? How many ever tried to like, I'm going to really change this. New Year's resolutions, or I'm going to get this, or I'm going to... How's that work? How's that working for you? It's not. It's not working. It's why you repeat the same dumb cycles over and over and over again. Christ has never once tried to get in your life to fix your behavior as if behavior modification was the answer. What God wanted to do was redeem your soul and your heart and then from the inside out change who you are because if you know now who you are, changing what you do is just a natural byproduct. I've never once been like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Oh, actually, I did. When I, was, when I was a teenager, I was like, wow. You ever get to a point in your life where you're like, wow, I'm really jacked up? <laughs> you ever cross that line? You're like, you, you went too far and you're like, Wow. <laughs> I'm really messed up. I really need to. And, and I remember saying, well, I'm, and I did this. I was like, I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. It lasted for like nine months. And then I went back and it was worse than ever before. So the point is this. The goal is not to sit here and try to change all of my little behaviors. The point is to discover who I am in Christ Jesus now and live from that identity. Because if I know who I am, changing what I do becomes natural. It's just who I am. Does that make sense? There's this story, and I'll close on this. It's this funny story um, I read. It was about the governor. It was, a, it was a former governor of Massachusetts. And what he was doing was he was on the campaign trail. And as he was on the campaign trail, he would go around from town to town and city to city. He was on that tour where he's like shaking hands and hugging babies and doing all that stuff. And one of the stops that he made was at a church. And after he spoke to this church, there was a little like barbecue thing afterwards. And so he just got in the line. But, you know, those guys have a really busy schedule. They stop and speak here in the morning and then here in the afternoon, maybe another one at night. And so but he's like, Man, I need to get to buy eat before we get on the road. And so he gets into the line where the people are handing out the food. And he gets down the line. And when he gets to the chicken lady, the chicken lady gives him one piece piece of chicken. 
He says, hey, look, you know, uh, I'm kind of in a hurry. I won't have time to come back for seconds. Can you go ahead and give me a second piece of chicken? And she goes, no, I can't do that. He goes, well, hey, look, just, just you know, I'm in a really big hurry, and, and I, 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 I'm kind of an important person. I need to get going. And, and she goes, yeah, I, I know. I don't care. You get one piece of chicken. And he goes, do, do you know who I am? Like, I'm the governor. I run the whole state. He goes, I know who you are, but do you know who I am? I'm the chicken lady. And I'm running all this chicken. And, 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 and the, 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 what stood out to me about the story was like, here's a woman who owned it. Here's a woman who was like, I don't care who you, I know who I, know who I am. And anything that comes up against what I know to be true, anything that contradicts the reality that God has spoken over me, anything that comes up against the identity that I have in Christ is foreign, and it just doesn't make sense anymore. So I'm just trying to tell you, like, you are not who you used to be. You are not what they said you were. You are something completely brand new in Christ Jesus. Listen to this last scripture, and then we're going to pray. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray this morning. God, I pray that we walk out of here as, God, not new people, we're already new in you. God, I hope we walk out of here realizing how new we are, realizing we are already blessed, we are already victorious, we are already redeemed, we are already forgiven, and let us own it. Let us so adopt that mentality. Let us so live out of that new position in life, knowing who we are, knowing that in Christ Jesus, we are so much more than what we ever dreamed we could be. God, you've called us love, you've called us adopted, you've called us reconciled. You've called us saints. You've called us all these things, God. Let us own it and go out of this world and live from that new identity in you. Lord, that is our prayer. It is your holy name that we pray. And we all said amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap today?